So here we have him speaking to Gentiles, and he says, formerly, before, in the, in, in the previous stage of your life, you, uh, you did not know God. When you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. You see, these were pagans. Anybody know what a pagan is? A pagan is someone who worships demons and false gods. A pagan is someone who doesn't worship Yahweh. They don't worship Christ. They worship false gods and idols carved out by human hands that can do nothing, that have no life in them. They are devil worshipers. And he says, this is what you were. You were a devil worshiper. You worshiped demons. You worshiped idols. You see, the whole big idea, and say, we're going to split it up in two sections. If you, it's on, this is on your paper, and I will point this out. We're going to look at sections eight through, verses 8 through 11, and then we're going to look at verses 12 through 20. And we're going to show a few things in these two sections of verses and then tie them together. The big idea in verses 8 through 11 is that all... Re, now, you listen to me, and you listen to me good, okay? All religious observance that is done out of obligation to secure blessing is actually the same as pagan worship. Let me just put that in a little bit simpler way. You can go to church all you want to, and you can do all the right things, but if it's with the wrong spirit, you are actually worshiping Satan. You believe me? I'll show you in the word. So Paul says, formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. So he's pointing out the fact that these Gentiles were pagans. They were worshiping false gods and demons. They were worshiping false gods and demons. Agreed on that? That's very clear in this text. He says, uh, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? You see, he's going to draw out where they are now that they believe in Christ. He's going to define that and unpack that just a little bit more, and then he's going to show what it is now that they've been enlightened to start to turn back to religious duty. So what he's going to do is he's going to define a little bit more of where they are now. And I would say to you the same thing. Many of you in this place, many of you in this place, you were once very religious. Or you were, there's two kinds of people in this place. Okay? I'm one and not the other. But some of you are one and not the other. There's some in this place, there's two types of backgrounds that you can come from and still not know God. You can come from a background of drugs deceit, disgusting habits, and, and lying, and cheating, and stealing, and, and being haters of God, and everybody knowing it, immoral, destitute, and you need God, or you can be religious, high and mighty, do everything right, and you're so upright that you look right down your nose at everyone else legalistic, looking at others and demanding things of them that you don't even do yourself. We have both types of people in here. Both are equally as wicked. Let me say that again. Both are equally as wicked. You see, many people think that we only need to reach the dope heads. But I'm telling you right now, we desperately need to reach the rich people who think they got it all together. They both need Christ. Can I say that in here? They both need Jesus. So what we have here is he's speaking to these Gentiles, these uh, devil worshipers. He said, you were, you were doing this thing, but now you have, you're not doing that anymore. You have come to know God. I want to draw out something right here because I think that this is just a wonderful way to understand what he's saying here. Listen to what he says in the verse, and he's going to use a word right here that I really like. He says, but now, but now you see this transition in time? He says in verse 8, he says, formerly, that's over here, you didn't know God and you worshiped. Satan, basically, 
But now on this side, uh, you, you, that's not who you are anymore. He says, but now that you have come to know God. So he says, you know God. And then he says, or rather to be known by God. So he turns it around and says, you know God. And or rather, uh, and more importantly, more foundationally, that God knows you. You see, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, and you couldn't choose God. There are none righteous, no, not one. There are none who seek God. None go after him. All like sheep have gone astray. So God came to get you because he loved you, but when he did and you saw him, you fell in love with him. And now you love each other. You know each other. Now, one cool thing about this that you might not get just reading through is that in Genesis 4.1 in the Greek Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, then this is what Paul would have been using. This is what Jesus would have been using. Uh, it would be the Greek Septuagint. And when you look at the word no, it's, it's gnosko is this word no. It's a different form right here, but it's the same root. Well, this same word to know is the same word the Greek Septuagint uses in Genesis 4.1. Anybody know what Genesis 4.1 might say? It's when Adam knew Eve. You smelling what I'm stepping in, as John Ross would say? Adam knew Eve. You see, this word is not just, yeah, I know about him. Yeah, I have mental assent. I recognize me. No, 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 no. That is not what Paul's saying here. He's saying that, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, it means that you have this intimate, intertwined affair with God. Well, not affair. This, this just romantic, robust, intimate relationship with God. Some of you are getting a little uncomfortable right now because I'm, th I'm talking about God in sexual terms. But I'm, let me tell you, Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this. He said, I've had thoughts of God too delicious, too delicious to proclaim. Tell, tell, tell. How many of you think of God as a boss who you answer to, but not as a lover who you lay down with? Tell, tell, tell. How many of you are in love with God? You walk with him. You talk with him. You're intimate with him. You tell him all of your secrets. He reveals himself to you, and you love it. He's the love of your life. The Bible absolutely makes a, a parallel between a man and his wife and Christ and the church. If you think I'm drawing this out too far, you've not read the Song of Solomon, where the wife takes the husband out into the orchard. I keep wanting to study Song of Songs with my wife. She's like, I know your end game. Well, why has it always got to be the man? The Bible says, not <laughs> We are to pursue. We are to long for. We are to go at. Was that too far, babe? I'm sorry. We are to long for. We are to go after. We are to, we are to know God. We'll move on from there. You see, Paul is absolutely drawing out the distinction between uh, knowing about God and having a religious system in place and knowing him intimately. How, he says, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you once were? You observed days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid that I may have labored over you in vain. I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but when he says days, months, seasons, and years, what he's doing here is, is that he's saying, you're going from one extreme to the other. You were pagans worshiping false gods, and then you, you came to know Christ, and you knew him. You were intimately involved with him. You were, uh, you were willing to lay down your life for him, and we'll see how that worked itself out in Paul's life in a, in a few verses. He says, but now you've, you've moved from one extreme to another. You were pagans and idolatrous uh, devil worshipers. You moved into a relationship with Christ, and then somebody now has come in to make you think that you need to move from there and step up to religious legalism. He said, why did you not just stay where you were? How many of you in this room? How many times have I dealt with the same thing? You come to know Christ. How many times have I seen new Christians? That's where you need to be oftentimes. You see a new Christian who they don't know what to believe. They don't know. All they know is they're wicked sinners in need of some help. They hear about Jesus and praise God. I've got everything that I need. 
But then some religious person comes in and says, oh, you know, Jesus, great. Now you need. And Jesus is not enough anymore. And then they become very religious and very legalistic, and the flame is snuffed out. The text says, but, but now you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God. How can you turn back? I say to you, how can you turn back? How can you turn back? How can you become religious? In our day, it would be, how can you think that just going to church or just doing these things is enough? How have we lost sight of the true purpose of children of God? It is to love God and glorify Him with your life and pursue other people who need to be uh, born again and, and, and preach the gospel to them and reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are we doing if we're not doing that? What are we doing? What are we doing? I'm actually asking, what are we doing? What are you doing in your life? Do you say, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I do. How can you show me you believe in Jesus? Well, I go to church. Big freaking whoop. What do you do you go to church to get trained to do. What do you do? That, the, the Bible says a tree will be known by the fruit that it bears. Am I being hard on you? It's the word of God. I want you to have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ so that it cannot be contained. It comes out wherever you are. You're doing ministry and don't even know it. You're reaching people, people and don't even know it. That your whole life is the gospel lived out. And you are aware of the word of God because you actually study the word of God. And you are actually learning in your mind so that when you uh, come in contact with somebody, you can reach them where they are. Very few people are studying the word of God to show themselves a worker approved. They think that's the preacher's job. He says, how can you turn back? How can you turn back to be slaves once more? You observe these days and months. I'm afraid that I have labored over you in vain. If you think I'm making too big of a deal out of it, then talk to Paul. Because Paul says, knowing what I know in you, that you were once close to Christ, and now you have moved back into this religious legalism, I am afraid that I have labored over you in vain. You know what that sentence means? He's, he's saying this, I am afraid that what you did was not real and my preaching was good for nothing. Let's move on. This language changes. It transitions now. And I'm thankful that it does because it just perfectly shows my heart. Because I, I have to say that now Paul's situation is a lot different from mine and from yours. And, but I have to say that I somewhat understand what Paul is saying here. Because I see it time and time and time again. And this week, particularly, I have felt this, and I have had uh, pressure on me to conform to uh, the ways that other churches do things and, and other religious systems and, and other expectations that other pastors have. And I'm saying that that's not me. I, get, I, find, my, I find my peace in Christ. I find my peace in Christ, and I don't have to do it a certain way. I am who God made me to be, and I am searching the Scriptures diligently, hoping that in them I find life, but I found Jesus Christ, and He is showing me which way to go. And I'm telling you that I don't want you to get caught up in a religious system or immoralities. I don't want you to trade Christ. I see this thing, and I'm just bearing my heart. Is, it okay to, to, is this a place where it's okay to not be okay? I'm just bearing my struggle to you right now as your pastor, as your leader. Four years we've been a church. Four years we've been a church. January 13th will be four years. And I have to say with Paul, when we first started, and this is not addressed to all of you, and a lot of them aren't even here. Imagine that. Is this, is this okay? I'm frustrated. Where the heck they at? It's just the truth. Four years ago, we start this church, and I start screaming about changing the world. Landrum threw up on us. 
people pouring out of the woodworks. We launched with 250 people. Not about numbers. That's not what I'm talking about. But the passion. Oh, the passion. Nobody had heard this before. Not like this. People on fire. Let me preach this next section before I say this because this is where, this is what Paul says. And I want to show you that it's no coincidences. Listen to what Paul says. In 8 through 20, he says, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first, and though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of the blessing you felt? What then has become of the blessing you felt? I want everybody to check their heart this morning as I've been checking mine. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. Let me focus here on verses 12 through 16 just for a second. He says, brothers, I'm begging you. You see how his his language transitions and he starts talking to them in this loving manner. He had a rebuke for them. He said, you were were pagans, idolaters, and and I preached the gospel. And you come into the fold of Christ and it was real. It was right. And we were passionate about God. And your lives was transformed. But now you're moving to another place that's no good. And, and you're, you're starting to become uh, stale and religious and, and trying to work in order to please people instead of God. And Paul's saying, "Why? how can you do this? How can you do this? Well, I thought we were past that. I thought we had overcome that. I thought we were in a place where God was moving and Jesus was real. And we were, we were working and, and moving in spirit and in truth and passion. And we were, we were beating down the hedges and bringing people to the church, but also reaching them outside of the church. And Paul's saying, how can you go back? How can you go back? We finally broke free of that. How can you go back? And he switches and he says, brothers, people of God, my brothers, I I entreat you. I'm begging you. I am begging you to remember. You see his language change here. He's He's saying, please, my family, my family, those who I've been there with you from the beginning. Many of you, I've been there with you from the beginning. Many of you have come on board uh, uh, later on, but, but we've developed this relationship. But all of you just about in this room, I know that, that we have developed this passion for Jesus Christ. And I hear things said like, I've never seen the Lord move like that. I've never felt the presence of God like that. The Holy Spirit, for some reason, is rich like that. I don't I hear these things. But maybe it's just me and my spirit, and maybe this was just for me. But I feel as if we, we're kind of settling in. I feel as if we're kind of settling, period. I feel as if we, the news wearing off, and it's kind of just another church. Am I wrong? This has just got real. This ain't just about some words on a page that's meant for somebody else. This is me and you. This is our life. What are you doing with it? What am I doing with it? He says, brothers, I am begging you. I mean, does anybody want to go back to the religious system? Does anybody want to go back to, you better go to church and you better do this and you better do that and you kind of walk in like this? I got to be here, but dang, I wish I was at home. Does anybody want to go back to that? It was like four people. Does anybody want to go back? Somebody's like, I ain't never been there. And that's, that's part of it too. Some of us don't know what it is to be in deep relationship and fellowship, to be committed. You start, you, okay, now the preacher's going to start talking about being committed to church. He's the one getting legalistic. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you that the Bible, 59 times, and this is the Lord's latest on my heart, 59 times the Bible uses the phrase one another. 
Love one another, love one another, love one another. Be committed to one another. Eat with one another. Bear each other's burdens. On and on and on and on it goes. In John chapter 13, and I've got this quote on here for you. In John chapter 13, verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give to you, this is Jesus speaking, that you love one another. How? How should we love one another? Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. How does Jesus love you? He doesn't show up sometimes and not other times. He doesn't see you one week and then you don't even know where he is for a month. And you say, I thought it wasn't about church. It's not. But I ain't seen you personally. Disappeared. The church don't just meet on Sundays. And it's not about the church service. It's about fellowship and family. I'm talking about relationships. I'm not talking about religious systems and legalities. I'm not talking about that. And if you know me, you know I'm not. I'm talking about, are you at the small group? Are you helping in ministry? Are you doing life with the family? You say, that's too much. I don't don't want to be obligated. Well, then you need to go back and read the scriptures. I don't know what else to say. Here's what I'm saying. I felt some weight this week. I felt some weight this week. And the weight was this. You're not doing enough. My response was, you need to help me. Am I not doing enough? Yeah, there's areas that I definitely need to work on. But how much are you doing? How much are we doing together? We are family. You see, we've got this whole understanding of church as a place over there where we go sometimes. That's unbiblical. It's demonic. The church is us. You the church. Me the we the church. We Heath. We the church. We the church. He says, brothers, and this is this passionate plea. He says, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did a. a I want to stop there for a second. What does he mean when he says, become as I am, as I have become as you are, because I have become as you are, just as I have become as you. Are. He's what he's saying here is is that. These other false leaders that had come in, they came in uh, high and mighty and over them. They came in with a religious spirit that looked down on them as if they were different from the people that they were talking to and that those people needed to come up to their level. Okay? Now, I'm sure I've done that before. But that is not my heart, and it's not my passion, and it's not what this church was founded on. Because I've told you from day one, and you may be new here, maybe you don't know. I went to jail nine times before I was 20 years old. I've been addicted to meth. I've been addicted to coke. I have drank, uh, I don't know how many years of my life, I used to fight all the time in bars. God set me free from that life. And in so doing, he put in me something that was not of my own doing. And it was for me to look at you, Dusty. For me to look at you, Heath. For me to look at you, Gary. For me to look at you, Angie. For me to look at you and say, I can actually, literally, and on paper say, I am no better than you. There is no, obviously God had a purpose in it because when you look and the man on stage has a longer rap sheet than anybody else, God's saying, I'm doing something here. It has to be that way. I can't. See, if I wanted to take some credit, I could move somewhere else maybe where nobody knew me and I could be like, y'all need to be like me. Y'all need to walk like I walk. And see, Paul says you need to be like me, but what he's saying, let's get up under it. What is he saying? Well, let's look and see what he says, because I am asking you to become like me. He said, oh, that's arrogant. Let's see what that means, though. Let's see what that means, though. When Paul says, I'm asking that you become as I am, for I also have become as you are. What Paul is saying is, is that, I didn't come above you looking down on you. I came with you. And so I'm asking you to be like me and me like you. And we are moving this way with Christ over us both. And as I follow Christ, 
You follow me. And that's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, I, I beseech you, be as I am. As I follow Christ, you follow me. We hold each other accountable. And he goes on to unpack a little bit more what he means when he says, become like me. Listen to how he came. He said, you know, it was because of bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God as Christ Jesus. You see, Paul said, I want you to become as I am, for I have become as you are. And he's saying, when I came to you, I came in weakness. I came in humility. I came in need. I came understanding that there was nothing that I could offer to you save Jesus Christ. I don't have anything for you. That's why when you look to me, like, okay, without getting too personal, if you leave this church because of me, you were not here for the right reasons. And if you are dependent on me to keep you at this church, you will not stay. You know why? Because I am but a man. I cannot be to you what Christ is to be. I can't and I won't pretend that I can. It breaks my heart that I don't get to spend enough time with some of you. I own it. I have four kids, one of who is two months old. I have a wife. I own a business. I'm part of the fire department, and I try to study enough to show myself a workman approved. I say this to plead with you. Be patient with me. If you don't get a phone call from me, if you don't get a visit from me, God is my witness. It is not because I don't want to. It is not because I don't love you. It is not because I don't care about you. It is because I love my children. It is because I want to be with my kids. Now, I know I need to get better in that area. Paul says in the word that we are to seek all the gifts and strive to become stronger in all of them. And there will be a season in my I, I plan on being here for you forever. I don't got any plans to go anywhere. There will, be a, there will come a time in my life, there will come a season when I transition and my kids are grown up, Lord willing, and I can come and I can visit and I can sit and I can build relationships. But until that day, the Lord has given me the ministry of the word and he's called Hambone and he's called Robert and he's called Wesley and he's called... Uh, Dakota and Mark and Hop and whoever else, Charles and Phil, all, all these other guys, he, all these other ladies in the room to come alongside of me and alongside of each other to fill those empty places. If you're feeling like you're not getting enough tension, attention, what you need to do is start giving other people attention. We need to be the solution. We need to be the solution. Now, Paul says... You know it was because of bodily ailment. So when he came, he came under humiliating circumstances. He came, and, and many don't know really what the problem was. He said, you know, I came because of a bodily ailment. Some think it might have been malaria. Some think it might have been some type of other disease. Some think it might have been an eye disorder because he actually says down here lower at the bottom, he says, what then has become the blessing you felt for I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. So not really sure what the ailment was, what the problem was, but it was something that caused him to be very lowly and they had to take care of him. And he's saying, I want you to become as I am, even as I have become how you are. He's saying that I'm not trying to tell you you need to reach some type of spiritual elitism in order to be accepted by God. I'm just telling you that we're all equal in this game. We're all totally deprived, and we all need Jesus Christ. So how are we to be? We are to be needy all the time. At the same time, being fulfilled and loving one another. I say you need to be needy all the time, not that you need to be seeking me, 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 me all the time, but that you need to understand that there is nothing in yourself that could provide for yourself what you need in order to have peace with God. You and I are both on the same playing field because we both equally need Jesus. We both equally need Jesus. Now, moving on to the last portion of the scripture, and if the band wants to come up, they can. 
He says here in verses 16 through 20, he says, Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I'm present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. What he's saying here is that I love you. I have relationship with you. And I want to go back now. I put something on hold a while ago, and I want to go back and touch on it now. Four years ago when we planted this church, some of you have been here since then. Some of you are newer. Some of you have, have, have uh, transitioned, then come back and have different seasons. But I, what I wanted, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody I am pointing all the fingers at us, and I want us, myself included, to search our hearts to see where we are right now, to, to examine ourselves, to see whether or not we be in the faith. Where are you at? Where am I at? Four years ago, we, we, we planted the church. We launched out. We're, we're on fire. We're moving for God. We're passionate, and we're, 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 we're just beating the bushes, reaching people where they are. Now, some of those people... It, you can't hold them either. I can't hold them. You can't hold them. That's a God thing. But I want to ask, where has our passion gone? Where has our fire gone? Where, where has that energy, where has that pursuit of Christ gone? Where has that witness gone to those who are outside of our fellowship, who are outside of the kingdom? Let me ask you, what are you doing? Have, have you become like, like what Paul said? Have you gone back to the elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? Do you find your power in Christ? Do you find your substance in Christ? Do you find your peace in Christ? Or do you have to have five, six beers at night? Do you find your fulfillment in Jesus Christ? Or are you demanding of your wife to the point where she's about to crumble, crumble into a pile of brokenness on the floor? Have you just become silent, going through the motions as if a zombie? Why are you here? What are we doing? You say, why all this weightiness this morning? Well, I've had a week. We need help in Kidwell. We need workers. I need evangelists. Doggone it. I got, I got 28 people ready to do a house church at Bonaire Apartments. I can't get anybody to go. And I don't have time with everything else. This is souls. This is like a, a pocket of people who, they don't know Christ. They don't know love. They don't have anybody coming to preach to them the gospel. You say, you're making me uncomfortable now, preacher. I just came to hear the word. We need help on Wednesday nights. How many kids we got? 50 to 80? Some rooms have one person. And I know many of you. Now, let me, let me don't let my frustration and my aggravation just fall on everybody here who's already working 50 hours a week for the church. Again, many of the people, they're not here because it rained. Exactly my point. So, what do we do? So, what do we do? If you're wondering why my attitude is kind of like this, I didn't even, I didn't realize that this was going to fall the exact week, but this is what Paul says, and I want to tell you that the Lord's like, I'm going to let you feel Paul this week, okay, Brandon? <laughs> he says, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you would make much of them. Let me explain that real quick, because I, I want to show you what you're, because many of you here, here's, here's what I'm feeling, okay? Is that, and, and some of this is God dealing with me. I, I acknowledge that. But here's what I'm feeling. Y'all pray for me. 
Because I'm feeling as if some people are kind of looking at me and, 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 and some, some, this spirit of religion is kind of on me saying, Brennan, you've been this type of pastor now for four years. It's time to grow up and become a real pastor. This, this, this spirit is, is whispering to me, the church needs to grow up already and become a real church. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, you need to have this in place. You need to make sure the people are doing this. And you need to make sure, and you need to be doing this, and you need to be doing this. What is that? That's a lie. Are there things we need to change? Sure. But you see, we don't find our peace in anything but Jesus Christ. So if something's with, you, know, you remember what 1 John chapter 4 says? It says that we test all the spirits by the word. And if a spirit is saying, you need to do all these things so that you can be fulfilled. You need to do all these things so that you can have peace. You need to do all this. We say, liar. Let me ask you, are you feeling what I'm feeling? Are you feeling as if you need to do all of these check boxes in order to have peace? Are you trying to check all the boxes off but you can't check fast enough? You trying to go through the, the list? Make sure, am I, am I, am I, am I, am I? Oh, okay, I'm good. Oh, man, the last one I can't. Paul said, they want to shut you out that you make much of them. You see, this is what, this is what legalism and this is what the world does. The way he, he says, they want to make much of you, but they do it by shutting you out that they would make much of them. So what, what this means is that the world is coming to you, and you tell me if I'm wrong. You tell me if I'm wrong. The religious systems or the world, remember there's two opposing, they, they both do the same thing. That the world comes to you and says, oh, man, you could be amazing. You could, ooh, man, you, you could be great. You could be great if you were like me. You see, they were both saying that you need to become like me. Paul was saying you need to become like me, and so were the false teachers. But the world, Paul says, you need to become like me as I became like you equals. Both needing Christ. So Paul's spurring or stirring to become like him was really stirring to become like Christ. But the false teachers, now the world, the religious system, either one, is looking at you and saying, oh, man, you could be amazing. Making much of you. You could be amazing. But then they shut you out so that you will make much of them, meaning that they say, you would be amazing if you were only like me, but you're not like me, so you have to go away until you become like me. And then you make much of them. You never noticed it before? For a season, until you just get sick of it and, and crumble, and I think that's an act of God, until you crumble under the religious system, you look at the religious system, you go, man, if I could just be like that, if I could just be like if I could just be holy like that preacher, if I could just have a suit, if I could just sing like that, if I could just, if I could just, if I could just. Paul says, it's always good to be built up for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for I am in, in anguish, as if I am in childbirth until Christ has formed you. I wish I could be present with you. I could change my tone. This is the last thing I'll say. Paul, he sees them as, as spiritual children. He says, the pain that I have in my heart because of this, this temptation to move back to the world or to move back to religion, this pain I feel is much to be uh, thought of as like, the anguish of childbirth. Because he's saying, I want you to be in, I want you to be in Christ. I want you to be born again. And, and you're like a child that, that is about to be born, but it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's not done yet. You, you thought it was, but, but the baby's stuck in the birth canal and it's, and it's, it's painful. It's hard, but you want to see. I, all I want to see is, and this is coming from your pastor's heart. I promise you, I'm not looking to burden you. I'm not looking to put things on you. I'm not looking to make you adhere to some system. I hate systems. You ask anybody. I'm the most disorganized person in the room. I hate systems. It drives Shanda crazy. Right, Shanda? She prays so much more because she knows me. 
I don't care about systems. I don't. I could care less. But there is a difference between legalism and being spiritually disciplined. You say, we don't have to follow any rules. You missed the whole point. We are to be committed. We are to be committed more so than we could ever religiously commit. We are to be committed heart, mind, and soul. That we would go to the deepest depths and the farthest reaches to reach the souls that need to know Jesus. We've got children. We've got children. You hear my voice. Please hear my voice. I'm not about, well, they better be working in the church. No, we got children that need to hear the gospel. And with some of our workers, they're not comfortable with doing the lesson, but they'll love them and they'll hug them and they'll show them. But many of you in here, you can teach. But you won't. You won't. The Bonaire, they need the gospel. Poplar Springs and Emma, they need the gospel. Ridge Oak Apartment Complex in Columbus, they need the gospel. And there's enough of you in this room that we could turn this world upside down with the gospel, but you won't move. You, we're playing sports. We're, 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 we're watching movies. We're playing video games. We got second jobs because our car that we have that is fine is not nice enough. There's people in our own backyard that are hungry. Preacher's on one of his rants again. I hope you feel the weight of this. There are people in this room that need somebody to reach out to them this week and say, I love you. And your pastor cannot be in 50 places at one time. So what you going to do? I'm going, I'm going back. I ain't got time for this religious nonsense. And I want to acknowledge my failures. I get tied up in church stuff too. I do. Playing the game. Get them in the door. Put butts in the seats. Oftentimes, these empty seats in here, man, I have to pray and pray and pray not to let that bother me as if it has anything to do with me. I'm human too. I'm here to tell you guys, I'm just like you. I'm just trying to get it done. I'm just trying to learn how to love Jesus every day. I'm trying not to waste my life. And I'll tell you where I'm going to start. And I know we need to be winding down. I'm going to tell you where I'm going to start. As your pastor, okay? I'm supposed to be your great leader. Ooh. And I got my all jacked up. But I'm going to tell you where I'm going to start. I'm going to start with my wife. I'm not going to start with you. I'm sorry. You thought that was coming? Oops. Left turn. I'm starting with my wife. I've been trying to do better, babe. You notice I've been trying to do better? Doggone it, i got to do better. Not because I'm required to. Because this is what I do. I love you. It's because I love you heart and soul, babe. And that little girl you hold in your arms, she's, she's second. Right behind you. understood that this is all underscored with my relationship with God I'm pouring into my family and any church that asks you to pour into the building and the ministries before you pour into your family go find another church so don't hear me saying you need to work here more listen if you ain't got your house in order you need to get that in order first you need to know how to do that you come talk to me and we'll learn together okay Get your house in order. Dwight, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you, man. Me and you, we're going we're gonna to go, we're gonna go the extra mile. We're going to go the extra mile. That, that's a man of God right there. Heath, me and you, we're going to go the extra mile. Johnny Decker, stand up. Stand up, Johnny. We're going to make a man of God out of you yet. I want you to do it like this. Yeah. <laughs> Kimberly, I need to do a better job at reaching out to Matt as much as I can. 
to let him know I'm praying for you because I am. You know why I'm at? It's because I want you to be an amazing man of God who loves Jesus Christ more than anything and makes his wife feel like the queen that she is. Rick, I'm praying for you, brother. I know you don't, maybe don't even know it, and I don't have time to text and let you know, but I'm going to commit to pray for you more and literally get on my face and pray for you. I can't, I can't touch each and every one of you in a physical way every day, but the Lord pressed on my heart last night that, Brandon, you need to do better. And I might not be able to be there physically, but I can pray. Penny, I'm praying for you guys, and I'm going to. Dwight, you know I've been praying for you, brother. You know I am. Charles Kenny, I'm proud of you. I've seen that man come leaps and bounds in the past two months. I could go on and on and on and name, 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 name. I just said a few. You know why? Because I need you to realize that I don't know what every other church is doing. I really don't care. That's not my business. That's not my peeps. I love them. We, 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 brothers and sisters. But God gave me you. And I want you to know that whatever the church is doing, we're going to try to do some stuff, right? Like we see these people out there. Let's go get them. How you going to go get them? I don't know. Let's go right. We should have went left. We all like in this big car. You know, you know, you ever seen a Christmas vacation? Now it's got some bad parts. I understand. But it's like we in that station wagon. And I can be like Clark Griswold sometimes, you know, get my eye off the road. But we all in the same wagon. And we just praying the dog ain't dragging behind the car. Ain't we, ain't we weird? We just weird. And it's like all of y'all are the ones that came from nowhere because no other church wanted you. <laughs> Because it's like we all ended up in the same place. It's like, how'd that happen? I don't know, but pray for them. Like all the churches, like I was reading David Platt, and uh, he had a commentary on this, and he said, Paul uh, would have suffered uh, being cut off because he was a Jew of Jews. And when he came out of the religious system and it was faith in Christ alone, that was like he was ostracized, cut off. And anybody that would come to him, they was considered a cult. You know that when we first got started, we were a cult, right? And we still are to a lot of people. We're a cult. Teach some crazy. So he don't preach the Bible. He's just for entertainment. They have never heard a sermon. I know that. But here's the deal. I want to be different. I want to be different because... We attract weird people. And we're just like a mental institute. We really are. Like all the churches, instead of calling us, well, not all the churches. Some of the churches called us cults. And I was attacked by some preachers. But they should have been thanking me. Because they don't want y'all. If I, if I make a place for y'all over here, that just means y'all ain't going to go over there. It's like I got all the weird people locked in one place. And that's why we got these sound barriers on the wall. Right? We got padded walls in here. Amen. Padded seats. We just try and try and make sure y'all don't hurt each other. No windows. I wonder what they say about us. I hear them rocking. You, you can hear us from the hayrack. I say all that to say I I, uh, I get frustrated sometimes. And I, I've been frustrated this week. I've been attacked this week, I feel like. But God works all things together for the greater good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And he served in me. Man, I had, I had a, I don't know what y'all was doing just a minute ago, but I had me a moment with the Lord. And it was like one of those, oh, yeah. This is one of those like Martin Luther would say, I have thoughts too delicious for words. I mean, that's, that's getting a little weird in here right now, but... I love and just I love God I just love God and man I screw up sometimes but so do y'all but I'm asking you and we'll end on this I'm asking you this let's get back to the basics okay I want you to remember what God has done 
Look and see where you can serve. There are lots of needs. And many of you in here, you're already working yourselves to death. And so if you're already working yourself to death, I'm not asking any more out of you. Okay? Except pray. Pray that God would, would shine the light in some of those who are weekenders. Many of them are not here today. And if they, somebody is not here today, don't look at them next week and be like, What's up, weekender? They might have had a legitimate reason not to be here, okay? It might, it might not have been the, the drizzle. Uh, but I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to pray. Pray for your pastor that he would remember to pray for you. Uh, I love you. I really do. And I say with Paul, brothers, sisters, I'm begging you. Let's remember what it's about. It's about Jesus. Let's don't look down on each other. But when, we're, when, when we see somebody in a problem, let's reach out to them in love. Seeking to restore them in gentleness and kindness. If somebody's not here, send them a text. Give them a phone call. Let them know. And I promise you, your pastor loves you. And I'm going to try my... And if it might get a little weird because I, I, I believe in being spiritually disciplined. So not legalistic, but spiritually disciplined. So I'm trying to figure out a way that I can find out who all's here. So that I can pray for you. And so that if somebody isn't missing, not like a Nazi, like where we're at, you know what I'm saying? But like, hey, we missed you. So we're going to try to figure out some of that too. Because we don't want anybody to feel left out. We've seen, we've seen our, uh, you know, our plumbers crack. We want to pull our pants up. Okay? Serious. We don't want to be exposed. We don't want to lose anybody. We don't, we don't want to hurt anybody. Sorry for any plumbers in the room. I wasn't really trying to. All right, as you stand to your feet, we're going to worship with this last song. I want you to know I love you. Thank you for letting me vent a little bit this morning. The Lord laid that scripture out perfectly. I mean, that's, the, that's what the Bible says. And so uh, if the Lord's convicted you this morning, if the Lord has spurred you or stirred you this morning, maybe the Lord's just giving you peace this morning, whatever it is, let's respond accordingly. Uh, Let's give him everything that we've got in this last worship song, okay? Because, boy, isn't he worthy? You my family. Y'all my peeps, and I love you, all right? Let's worship.